Welcome to the Smart Industry Podcast, Remaking Industry. All right. Thanks for joining us on the Remaking Industry Podcast today. My name is Chris McNamara, Editor-in-Chief with Smart Industry. This is a fun one today. We are chatting with Matt Oberdorfer, author of Trailblazer's Guide to Industrial IoT. Matt, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Chris, for having me. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then let's dive into the book. All right. Excellent. Yes. Uh, my name is Matt Oberdorfer, and I am uh, the CEO of a company called Embassy of Things, or short EOT, uh, which is really, really in the industrial space, providing uh, software uh, to uh, industrial companies in the energy, manufacturing, and transportation space. Uh, but this is about uh, a new book uh, that I've been working on for quite a while. It's called the Trailblazer's Guide to Industrial IoT, which is really a comprehensive guide you know, for en energy and manufacturing digital transformation leaders uh, to offer some insights into you know, the life of a trailblazer and how to overcome uh, some of the OTIT challenges uh, uh, that, that typically happen in digital transformation projects. So, you know, it's it's really tr trying to to give it a perspective uh, with a lot of color effort and um, challenge overcoming solutions uh, to illustrate what happens and and uh, what you what you can do about it uh, to not fail when you are in a digital transformation project. Okay, we we talk to a lot of people with a lot of different roles um, related to industrial IoT or digital transformation, digitalization projects. Um, what I, we don't often hear the term trailblazer here. What makes a trailblazer with the IIoT? Is it a front runner? Is it an early adopter? Is it someone just doing things smart, more smart, smartly? Oh, I, the, the, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a very good question. And the the, the you know we had a lot of uh, discussions internally and with all the people that I talked to about the term. Right? Mm -hmm. Sh should it be? you know, the digital transformation leader or this or that. And ultimately, we settle on a trailblazer. And, uh, and and the reason for that is this. In this digital transformation projects, um, in industrial IoT projects, even in industrial AI projects, you have a lot of stakeholders, a lot of people that have a lot of things to say. Uh, you have consultants, architecture guidance. You have people that have done it before since three decades we are doing industrial IoT. But the truth is that more than 80% of these projects fail. And the funny part is that most of them claim they had successful POCs. So in a way, there's a digital transformation purgatory or, or, or POC hell that is plastered with dead POC bodies that all claim <laughs> to be successful, right? So how can it be? that you have successful POCs and then they never make it in production, right? So that's kind of the answer to that question. So the book is trying to answer what can you do to not fail when you're on these projects? And the term trailblazer is basically um, trying to uh, address two main qualities that a leader has to have, right? In a way, a trailblazer is a is a is a leader that dares to dream. You know, the the person has to be really uh, someone who is challenging the status quo, 
uh, if you just say this is how we have always done it the last three decades, nothing is going to change. You know, there will be no AI ever leading to uh, automate industrial assets. Then you are not that person, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so they have to see what the world could be in the future and possess the confidence and the determination to create this better tomorrow, right? On the other hand, they are not just dreamers because if you have people that are visionaries, uh, you know, that, that are classic, uh, um, you know, talking to early adopters that only want the cool stuff, the new technology, the generative AI that's currently everywhere, right? Right. Then a lot of times it never crosses the chasm to the pragmatists, to the people that only buy stuff when everybody else buys it, right? So the trailblazer also has the ability to turn ideas into concrete plans, into developing processes and systems that support the goals and motivate others, get the support from the key stakeholders inside a company and relentlessly pursue these goals. So in a, in, in a short term, trailblazers basically have enough courage to innovate and do it boldly, but also have the resilience to see it through and operationalize a POC into production, right? So yeah. the trailblazer is this combination of be a dreamer, but also a realistic, you know, get it done, you know, uh, and and really, you know, bring it to life kind of person. And what what who are the people we're talking about? What titles are we talking about? Are we talking about CEOs? Are we talking about, you know, <laughs> operational teams? Are we talking about you know, younger workforces coming in in different capacities. What are the roles here we're talking about in the trailblazer capacity? Yes, very, very good question, right? So the trailblazer can be uh, really, you know, at a very high level, can be the CEO because he sees the the, the light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a train uh, kind of person, um, you know, so CEO of, uh, you know, have to, re if it's a CEO, they have to react differently than, um, the blockbuster CEO, you know, basically shooing the Netflix guys out of their office or, you know, the, the Kodak guys refusing to actually go and, and say that there will be, uh, you know, a digital cam, yeah, di digital cameras and, and everything will be digital, right? So if a CEO is kind of like seeing the, 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 the light at the end of the tunnel, then it can be a CEO. Uh, but typically, uh, it's more a mid-level mid person or someone who is actually in charge of digital strategy. Um, and uh, is is empowered in a way, or should be empowered in a way, to actually drive this digital strategy throughout the organization, throughout the entire end-to-end -end value chain of a company. Let's say in manufacturing, you know, from the shop floor up to you know to um, you know the cybersecurity department in IT, because everyone every one of those stakeholders has to be in line and aligned to actually make a vision sure. come true and be able to actually put a digital transformation project in place successfully. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, we're a couple of years into, you know, the the main part of our of digital transformation in industry, some might argue a decade or two, or some might argue it's been much more recent than that. But um, are we still at the trailblazing period uh, with, with, you know, IIoT? And will that continue on through the life of, of this uh, approach? Or is it a kind of a finite period that once it's mainstreamed, there won't be a need for trailblazing anymore? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I see it almost like, a, you know, in, in a cartoon or comic book where you have 
let's say Sonic. You know, I have I have th I have three kids, and and one of them is really into Sonic. Yeah. Uh, the the little hedgehog, right? When Sonic starts running, it, it it's like running on the spot. It's like going really really fast, and then at some point it like takes off like crazy. So, for me. If I look back in the history of digital transformation, and specifically, let's let's take an example. Let's say, for instance, the oil and gas industry. Right, the oil and gas industry has been talking about the digital oil field, which is basically a virtualized version um, of the oil field that now is called digital twin. By the way, right? Uh, right. They have been talking about this, I think, for three decades. There were there, there were demos 30 years ago that they tried to kind of show a 3D middle 3D model of an oil field and and you know the processes and so on. So I feel, and in my experience, is that the trailblazing running on the spot thing, and same with industrial IoT in general, has been going on for decades, right? So what I do believe is changing now, like literally, I think probably last year or the last year before last year, maybe the last two years, is that companies in the industrial space are doing for real, meaning it's not just driven by AI and now the new hype on generative AI, but it, you know, a lot of companies went from, you know, we are not touching the cloud, we are not pumping data in the cloud. The cloud is like, uh, you know, not sure, not secure, not fast enough, not this enough, not too that enough. Too expensive, right? Too expensive. We want to have everything on-prem, on-prem data centers. We are not going to open it up the internet, cybersecurity, blah blah blah. To actually doing it, right? We have, you know, we I have personally had many experience, and I know personally, you know, architects, chief architects, CTOs in those industries, in those companies that have done it and have started to do it in the last three years more so than ever before. And I believe that with all the advancements we have now in AI this will basically put freaking fuel to the fire, right? Uh, so there's no way of turning back. And the trailblazing for me is 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 going to be, you know, wh while it has been running on the spot for, you know, three three decades, now is really the time where it, where it has started to kind of take off and speed, you know, in, in, uh, in the direction of, uh, you know, self, uh, uh, automated industrial plans and, and and processes. So, you know, it, it will take still, okay, let's be realistic. The industrial space moves at a glacier's speed, right? So this is right, just going right. to be a glacier speeding up right now. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of how I see it. So you talk about oil and gas. Um, what verticals do you, are most uh, opportune for trailblazing in this respect? Is it a is it a laggard uh, in this space um, that that you know could really make fast gains, or is it an early adopting vertical? Um, you know, such as like let's say automotive or aviation or something like that oh, that yeah. uh, could benefit most rapidly. So a very good question. So. It's actually it's actually a funny a, a very funny uh, you know correlation in a way because here here's the deal with with uh, industrial IoT and using modern analytics and the benefits to it right so newer installations and in in from an industrial sector perspective let's say in manufacturing you build a new you know uh, car manufacturing site you know manufacturing plant right. It's probably already up to snuff, meaning they have the latest technology, they built in, you know, 
automated systems. They build in lots of, you know, uh, maybe auto adjusting, self healing type of equipment. And then they built in already, uh, you know, equipment that that has uh, uh, analytics inside, loads it up in the cloud. Maybe they already have their own IP addresses and so on. So how much benefit will, uh, you know, will it bring to those new plans? It's already in there. It's built in, right? So it's not like you add something and then these plans will operate suddenly like 10% more effective or save 5% of the cost or whatever, because they're already built. It's kind of like, you know, you buy a new house, that's much more energy efficient than if you buy a house that's 50 years old, right? So, right, right. and that comes back to, in terms of benefit, you know, a lot of manufacturing sites have been built, you know, 30 years ago or 20 years ago, right? Uh, in energy, you have oil and gas uh, plants that have been built 50 years ago, right? They probably could benefit the most, right? Um, like for instance, there's uh, there's one company that that really buys up old assets. It's kind of like you buy up old cars from a rental car company uh, that basically says these cars are done. Nobody wants these cars anymore. And then they fix them up and rent them out again and make more money than the original company that bought the new cars, right? So in the energy space, that type of business is possible. And that is only possible if you know how to save money, how to make the current production more productive uh, and, and use the benefits of industrial IoT and AI. That's where really you can basically kind of do this, this kind of re literally renew the not renewable energy <laughs> type of businesses. Um, yeah. And then, and then uh, you know, specifically in transportation and in manufacturing, uh, there are, you know, you know, apart from new sites, there are also old industrial sites that have the same potential and opportunity that can benefit from uh, applying that today as well. You talk in your book about the the importance of clearly defining the industrial data strategy. Um, what does it mean to 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 you know very accurately define that strategy? How does it work? Why is it important? Et cetera. Yeah. So. What we see is um, that in many industrial companies, uh, there, there are different scenarios. Uh, there's, let's say, uh, there are different type of groups, different type of organizations, and they all have their own agenda. The SAP team wants to be SAP being the single source of truth that drives the company. The operational team is responsible for getting, you know, keeping the lights on and 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 keep the you know, the, the industrial assets going, they want their world to be leading the charge. And so they have their own uh, projects and, and programs to innovate and so on and so forth. The issue with all of this is if you have separate organizations with separate KPIs and measurements, um, you know, then ultimately it will not align if you want to kind of transform the entire company. So if you have a company that has businesses uh, or business units, you have operational people, you have uh, industrial um, operators that are really literally <clears throat> out in the field, uh, you have an IT team, you have a cybersecurity team that wants to basically make sure that nothing ever happens, you know, in terms of, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, no ports are opened ever because it increases the risk profile of the company. Then you sure. have, and, and they all do their job. It's not like they are do doing a bad thing. They're doing their job. They're measured on doing their job well. So an industrial data strategy 
has to kind of, you know, kind of over, it's an overarching strategy and vision that uh, that enables everybody to see and understand why we are doing this, where we are going, what the goal is, and what their role is in playing, uh, uh, you know, what their the role they are playing in actually getting to that goal, right? So that starts typically with an end-to-end use case. Let's say the overall, you know, let's say the CEO says, overall, we want to, you know, save 5% of costs in, 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 in the production of whatever we are manufacturing or producing or whatever. Um, and then that drills down to, so what has to be measured where ultimately it comes to a use case. What is uh, a use case? And when you ask the use case questions, you know, how can we save money? How can we do this? Everybody, their grandmother, the, their dog, and the flea on the dog comes out with a use case, and you have a laundry list of 150 use cases of how you can save <laughs> costs. Like, which right. one do you do first, right? Because everybody wants to be first, um, and and everybody claims that theirs is the biggest, the best, best, or whatever. So, if you don't have a strategy. Uh, you know, highly likely the project is going to fail because you are not aligned. Everybody does their own thing. And even if they're talk, talking to each other, you know, and you say, well, let's say the CEO says, you guys just figure it out, you know, come up with a strategy and tell me the solution. It's kind of like, you know, you have, a, you know, 157 countries and everybody should agree on one thing. Uh, it will always be a compromise, and not the and not what really drives the world forward, because they all have their they are and and rightly so their agendas in mind, right? So, in a way, the industrial data strategy for a company has to be the right thing for the company, and it might be not the right thing for a particular organization. But that organization, if asked, will not agree to that. So, it's a, it's a difficult problem. Um, and if you actually ever you know do some research on why industrial IoT uh, projects fail. They all say, "Oh, it's you know organizational, you know, uh, uh, controversial, cultural, uh, yeah. c- cultural things, organizational re- resistance to change, blah blah blah." It's not resistance to change. I mean, everybody's resistant to change. Everybody doesn't want anything in their company really to change except their salary going up, right? That's what right. people right. are not resistant to. But if you suddenly lose you know, responsibility in your job or you have to give it up or suddenly the SAP team is not, uh, you know, the and I'm, I'm hammering here on SAP teams, but they're, they're not the, the center of the universe anymore and it moves somewhere else and, you know, they have a problem with it, right? So uh, th- that organizational um, resistance to change is something that's coming from a lack of industrial data strategy and vision and communicating it um, and ha- holding everybody accountable. Excellent. So we talked about some landmines or challenges that are common to, to failed projects. Let's talk about optimism. Last question for you here, Matt. Um, what do you find most encouraging? What is cause for optimism in this space that maybe we can learn from very successful trailblazers in this IIoT space? Yeah. So success um, and uh, you know successful industrial IoT projects really depend on and that's what this book is about, you know, being a trailblazer. And what that means is you, and it could, a trailblazer could not just be one person. It could be actually a small team um, of people, but 
it is the ability to understand, first of all, understand what is the best possible use case uh, that you can implement as a digital transformation project first, right? So, so and this should be a visionary yet, you know, it, it's an aspirational goal, but yet achievable kind of business goal that has a measurable business impact, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and then secondly, understand also how to implement this end-to-end -end and what it takes, how long it will take, how many, how many people it will take, and what organization have to be involved, and so on and so forth. So in terms of what I've seen in success and what's encouraging is that this is happening today. You know, I, I've, you know, there, 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 there are multiple use cases and, you know, that I've been involved personally, but also uh, that, that I've seen and talked to people in conferences and other podcasts where, you know, you actually, instead of just slideware and, and kind of, yeah, that's what we want to do in the future, you actually see real business value where so we really saved, you know, 5% of costs. And we've done this in, you know, six months, this project, right? So that is something that, you know, I haven't seen like the last decade or in any of the discussions before. It was almost, you know, almost always a visionary thing. Um, and then the the whole concept of second second part to success, the whole concept of opening uh, industrial plants up to the cloud and, and enabling uh, the processing power and storage power to train machine learning models and, you know, run big data analytics. This kind of um be this kind of behavior and and uh, and way about thinking about the cloud and the resistance to actually put data off the cloud completely shifted i think that sure. today yeah. we see almost all industrial companies embracing the cloud and and using it so that's a that's a big kind of crossing the chasm moment excellent matt Oberdorf for author of Trailblazer's Guide to the Industrial IoT. Thanks for joining us today on the Remaking Industry podcast. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, excellent. Um, and to our audience, uh, thanks for joining us as well. Uh, as always, we encourage you to go out and make it a smart day.